Hey guys, welcome to the Mortgage Man podcast. Now, if you are a first home buyer, then you are in the correct place. This first series is going to cover everything you need to know to buy your first home, including what requirements you need in terms of the bank, but also who you should hire along the way to help you out with that process. Now, don't worry if you're not a first home buyer and you're looking for an investment property, the next series will be exactly what you want to go to. So just skip the first five episodes and start there. Just a reminder that this is not individualized advice. If you would like individualized advice, please reach out and follow me, Aaron, the mortgage underscore man on Instagram or give me a call on 022-065-1217. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Mortgage Man podcast. Again, I'm here with Ant, one of the directors at Tanta Financial. Good to have you back, mate. Good to be here, man. <laughs> um, today we're going to talk about something that kind of leads on from first home buyers. So if you haven't listened to the first episode that we did about the requirements to buy a first home, go back and listen to that one. This one is more about how to use your KiwiSaver to buy a home and what uh, requirements there are for that as well as using the home start grant which is now being renamed as the Kaira Kaira Anga grant I always have a problem pronouncing it do you want to have a go Kaira order <laughs> there you go <laughs> so um, let's say you're a first home buyer you want to use your KiwiSaver what are the minimum requirements that you need to meet to mm-hmm. be able to get your KiwiSaver out and put it towards a deposit of a house? Sure. So KiwiSaver wise, you need to be in KiwiSaver for a minimum of three years. Um, that's probably the main requirement. And other than that, pretty much good to go. And yeah. you have to use it for a house that you're going to live in. You can't use it for an investment property. Correct. Right? Yes. Yeah. You can use it for either a house you plan to build or an existing property. Um, you can take everything out of the KiwiSaver except for a thousand dollars. You have to leave that in there because it's. We're quite lucky in New Zealand. We're pretty much one of the only countries that lets our citizens use their retirement savings to, to buy property. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the actual intention of KiwiSaver is for. I mean, that, if you think about, yeah, if you think about the long-term effects, like if you have a house, that's also going to help your retirement, so it's twofold, mm. which is Correct. really, really cool because it helps the economy, basically, like buy another house, make it easier, that kind of thing. So going back to the requirements, got to be in there for three years to use it, leave $1,000 in there. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have to live in the home for a certain amount of time? Is there a requirement on that? Um, intention obviously you need to intend to live in it long term worst case scenario if your plans change something happens you have to move cities then you know there might be a little bit of leniency around it but ideally you should be intending to live in your house that you know buy use your KiwiSaver to buy a house that's going to be your first house and you're going to live in it for a while yeah and to be defined as your first house that basically means that you can't be owning an investment property previously or currently owning any property that is owned by a company with your name on it or mm. a trust with your name on it. You can't actively have a share in property. There's something called the second chance um, home withdrawal. So that's for people that have bought property in the past, but now they're trying to, for whatever reason, they've sold that maybe with a next partner or they bought it previously and now they're in a situation where they didn't use the KiwiSaver first time and they can try use it again on the second time around. Okay, cool. So what is the kind of actionable steps if somebody wants to check 
Mm. Or not check, basically just know that they can actually use the KiwiSaver. Yeah, so um, whether you've got your KiwiSaver through the bank or whether you have it through a KiwiSaver provider, um, they will be able to tell you, give you, anytime you actually apply for a mortgage anyway, the bank's going to need to see what's called a first home eligibility letter. And that's essentially just going to say what amount of money you have in there that is actually available to be used. Um, because some people might live in Australia for a bit, live in the UK, and they've actually transferred pension or superannuation from those countries back to their KiwiSaver. Um, and you can't, you can't use that portion of the money on your first home. It's just only money you've accrued in New Zealand. Okay. So, yeah, you've got to have that letter. And obviously, depending who your KiwiSaver is with, mm-hmm. can be quite difficult. I know with Westpac, not naming names, but they are quite difficult to get that letter, whereas other KiwiSaver providers can just basically generate one when you press the button. Yeah, so some, some providers let you actually generate your own first home uh, letter on their website or some of them you know it's quite easy for us as advisors to get them for our clients um, I know some some of the banks you need to fill out a form and then they'll probably submit it to you a few days later um, which get a justice of the peace to sign it yeah. which is a bit ridiculous but yeah. this is why going with a KiwiSaver specialist provider is way more helpful yeah. <laughs> and, and to that point as well um, quite often what we see with people is they start the process of um, going for a mortgage, they get all the letters together and then they they realise that, hey, look, they've only got a 10% deposit or a 15% deposit and they actually want to clean up some debt and get in a better position before they buy. So <laughs> when you get to that stage, you have to go jump through those hoops all again to get the first home withdrawal. So I'd definitely recommend if you're not in the position where you're buying straight away to just try to get with a provider that makes things a lot, a lot easier for you and also gives you good returns. Yeah, for sure. Um, the other thing, obviously, is the Homestart grants. How do they work? What are the eligibility kind of requirements? Mm. And obviously, there are some uh, price caps. So I guess starting off, like, are these available to pretty much everyone? Mm, yes. Uh, so one thing I would just immediately, like, it's a good thing to understand is KiwiSaver and your, is pretty much your savings and some money that's given to you by the government and also your employer. The home start is a completely different thing that is a additional support by the that's put together by the government through Kaying Order and that has its own kind of set of criteria. They're two very distinctly different um, sources of to help you with the deposit. Yeah. So with the, the home start grant, um, yep, same requirement there, minimum of three years in KiwiSaver. Um, something I've noticed a little bit more often with that is you need to have been contributing for three years. KiwiSaver withdrawals can be a little bit more lax around that. Is if you've been living overseas and you've come back and you might not have contributed for a year and a half, two years, sometimes that can kind of go under the radar. Um, but with the Home Start grant, it's definitely more reliance on you having actually contributed some money. Okay. Yeah. So um, does that answer that, Mr. Christian? <laughs> yeah, it does go for the first one. So sure. basically, you've got to be in there for three years now. There is a tiered kind of amount that you can get depending on how long you've been in KiwiSaver, right? So Correct. minimum yes. three years. If it's going to an existing property, if you're in there for three years, you get $3,000 per applicant. Correct. Yeah. And then 4000 for four years, 5000 for five years, and then 5000 for any year above that right yep so it's capped at five thousand as the max for an existing property and then if you are buying a new build yep or building yourself well like basically this house and land package 
then that amount changes, mm-hmm. which is three years, it's now 8,000. So it just doubles. So doubles, okay. if, if you get 3,000 for three years on an existing property, you get 6,000 for three years on a new build. Okay. Up to a maximum of 10,000. So, so everything's just... Five doubled. years and up, 10,000 per yeah. applicant. Is there a maximum of applicants? That yeah, so there's a maximum of 20... Like, so there's a maximum of $10,000 for a, um, an already built property yeah. or a maximum of 20000 for a brand new property. But, I mean, that's not a maximum of two applicants. It could be three people combining together to get 20000 you know? yeah. It depends on your... Situation, okay. yeah. Okay. And of course, this is designed to help the people that are already probably, probably need this help. So what mm. is the other requirements? I know there's an income requirement. Sure. Yep. So uh, income, if you're borrowing on your own, it's $85,000 as an individual. Um, or if you're borrowing together with somebody else, it's 130 for joint borrowers. Mm. Um, with that as well, that's taken off your IRD summary of earnings so if you 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 might be surprised some people actually qualify for this grant where they might have only just started a job halfway through the year or um you know they're actual self-employed people, self-employed people quite often yeah um it's but it's just based on your ir3s so it's like a summary of your earnings for last year okay. so worth having a look at that so if you earn over eighty five thousand dollars by yourself as a single applicant you will not be able to get this grant or yep. 135,000 as joint applicants. 130. Yeah, 130,000. Yep. Okay, cool. Now, the other kind of piece of the puzzle is obviously the property price. Now, this is a little bit confusing because it depends on the kind of property and the region. Yeah. So, if we're looking at, we do have some great information in front of us, um, which you can actually look at yourself on our website tanta.co.nz it's got all the price caps but Auckland let's start with it's an existing house Mm -hmm. what is the cap for Auckland yeah so existing price cap in Auckland is $600,000 so if you're buying an existing property um, you need to be buying it for under that price Um, kind of just run through a few districts so Auckland and Queenstown kind of have all the same prices um, then it drops down to 500 for places like Hamilton, Tauranga, Wellington, sort of some of those slightly smaller cities, um, even though Queenstown, yeah. Just expensive. <laughs> Just Queenstown. expensive. So yeah. Queenstown is viewed the same as Auckland. It's 600000 as a price cap, whereas yeah. 500000 for those other kind of bigger towns, but not yeah. The rest of New Zealand, the rest of New Zealand is slightly less. Yeah, so if you're outsider, so there's kind of 600, 500, and then 400. So 400 is kind of pretty much anywhere that's not within those sort of main centres. But once again, check if you've got a place that you might be buying, um, check check out the home start price caps. Yeah, and then obviously there is a bit more of a increase in those price caps if you're building or buying a new property. Yeah, so um, this is an interesting one because this is where I see it, this having much more of an effect, is that developers are building a lot more houses, um, you know, with the government trying to stimulate housing um, projects and getting more people into affordable housing, there's a lot more developers doing houses for six hundred and forty-nine thousand dollars, for example, um, and that's because the house price cap is six fifty. Mm-hmm. So developers realise that people can get an extra twenty thousand dollars for their deposit through this Home Start grant. So they're putting out a lot of properties at that six four nine 
um, or slightly less than that price range for Auckland or Queenstown. Yeah, so six fifty is the price cap for a new home in Auckland and Queenstown. Five fifty for those other centres, and then five hundred for the rest of New Zealand. And I think, yeah, like you said, you can go and buy a new house in Tauranga for five four nine because the developers realise that. It's kind of win-win for them, but also for the people they're building the house for because they're getting free money from the government to do so. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're anyone that's getting $20,000 free for a deposit, um, you know, long-term, they're going to be doing really well out of that. Um, doesn't matter what you buy, $20,000 free on a deposit is pretty helpful. Yeah, for sure. So in terms of how we, or what we need from a client when they're applying for a mortgage, we need to see that they can actually get this. So yeah. what we've seen a lot is that they've got this letter that says you are eligible for X, Y, and Z. Yep. How do they get that letter? Yeah, so on the um, Kaying Order website, there's an application form. You basically just have to go through that process. Um, takes If you're looking to buy, you kind of want to get that underway at, at least sort of a, a month in advance to when you're buying. I think they take around five to ten business days to get something back to you. Um, but literally what they'll do is they'll just give you a letter of intention saying, yep, congratulations, you can borrow X amount. Okay. And I think it's very important that that letter itself doesn't mean you're going to get the money because they still have to abide by the price caps of the property, which I yeah, I see a lot of people getting confused by. They send us the letter and then they tell us that we want to buy a house for $800,000 and they want to use the grant towards it, and unfortunately you can't because yes. it's too expensive. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So I guess that's pretty much... Is there anything else that we kind of need to kind of cover with those two subjects? Um, I guess sort of just understanding, maybe just jumping back to KiwiSaver, um, I guess it's sort of just around people understanding choosing the right fund and the build-up to purchasing the house. Yeah. Um, you know, especially in the environment we're in at the moment, having your money if you're going to be buying a house soon in a growth fund is quite a risky sort of situation because COVID's, as of today, COVID's still spiking throughout the world. Yeah. Um, and even though we kind of live in a little bit of a bubble down here in New Zealand, um your KiwiSaver is largely affected by the global economy at scale. So um, having your KiwiSaver in the right fund um, could mean that you don't lose a lot of the deposit right when you need to be, you know, when, when you, you need, need to have that money eligible. Because yeah. even, for example, if you get pre-approval to buy a house and then it comes time to actually settle on that property and your KiwiSaver's taken a big hit, you're um, short. You're short on. Dollars, you're short on yeah. the funds. So the government. So the bank's not gonna. If you can't show the deposit, they're not gonna release the the mortgage to you. Um, and even if they did, the vendor's gonna be saying, "Wait a minute, where's my five thousand dollars you owe me?" Yeah. Um, and that's a situation you don't really want to be in. And I just want to rewind on explaining why KiwiSaver funds are affected by global markets because mm. some people don't realize this, but your KiwiSaver is invested in to places on your behalf mm. depending on which fund you're in so the bank or the provider is actually using your money to make more money hopefully in an ideal situation and yeah. that's why when you're in a high growth fund it is you know higher growth but higher risk whereas a conservative fund is 
usually less growth, mm. less risk, and a cash fund is basically it's still in your bank account. Yeah, so just sort of understanding that split is a good place to you know understand in your head is if you're in a conservative fund, most of your money, sort of 95% of your money or thereabouts, is going to be in really safe type assets. So that's your savings accounts, maybe term deposit type funds, um, government bonds, really safe, secure forms of investment, and they return a small margin. Whereas at the other end of the scale, um, a growth fund is, is flipping that around. So it's 90, 90 to 95% of your money is in shares, and only a small portion of it is in, um, in cash reserves. So, and then obviously somewhere in the middle is balanced funds. So choosing your fund that you're in based around how long you have left until you withdraw is the best way to choose your KiwiSaver fund. Yeah, for sure. Like I know for me personally, I've already used my KiwiSaver. I had a little bit left over. Now it's just an aggressive growth fund because... I kind of see it as a bonus and I will just want to grow it until I retire because now it's a retirement fund it's not used for a first home if I was going to buy a first home the next month I would be definitely putting it into a yeah a safer option yeah and and likewise for people that have already probably not listening to this podcast at this stage but (laughs) but those that have already purchased um, a house or just so you understand once you do purchase it's the idea of your KiwiSaver then is to get it in a place where it's going to grow as much as possible so you've got a, a substantial retirement savings. And if you do the calculations between a growth fund over 20 years and a moderate fund over 20 years, it's going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars difference just by the fund choice. That's not even considering your contribution. So definitely worth taking a bit more um, of a closer look at your, at your KiwiSaver stuff. I guess on KiwiSaver, while we're talking about it, how does it work with releasing the KiwiSaver funds when you are actually buying a house? Because I know some people don't have cash savings. So when they go unconditional on a house, they yep. do need to pay a 5 to 10% deposit to the vendor mm. to secure that they're going to buy the house. Yep. Is, there enough, is that enough time for, for KiwiSaver to release yeah, the money? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so... This is where sort of understanding who your team uh, that you need to have together, who they're going to be. So obviously a mortgage broker, um, you're going to need to have a, a solicitor as well or a lawyer. So understanding that the person that actually handles the withdrawal of your KiwiSaver money is your solicitor. So if you talk to your solicitor or you get one on board early enough in the piece before you've even put an offer on the property ideally... Um, then if, if in the contract that you need to put a deposit down, you already know this, the solicitor can organise the withdrawal of your KiwiSaver well in advance. Therefore, that money can be used to help for a 5% deposit or whatever's required by that, um, for that sale. But it can take up to 10 days, so you need to be really proactive in making sure that you're not putting yourself in a position where you might have um, late settlement fees. So if you don't, get your KiwiSaver out in time, then the, the, you'll get charged by the vendor for being late to pay them the money for buying the house, essentially. Which is very expensive. Whenever I buy a house, <laughs> I cross off the interest rate on that late settlement fee and always change it to really little, just in, <laughs> just in case. Okay, cool. Um, well, I think that is pretty much everything that we need to cover today. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're going to keep doing 
podcasts on each little subject like this so that you guys can listen to them. We're trying to keep them pretty short so you can listen to them on like your walk or your drive to work. But hopefully you found this informative. Um, the next one is going to be on something like buying the actual house buying process. So keep tuned. Make sure you uh, head up tenter.co.nz if you want to find out more about those Homestart grants. And Anthony, thank you for being here. No worries, eh? All good, man.